The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That could be the subtitle of the gospel today. Because we have the Pharisees and the Herodians are hanging out together, and they hate each other's guts. But they hate Jesus more. The Pharisees are the ones who, of course, are, were the ones who would be faithful to Israel, the ones who, who desire Israel to be able to, to come back to her kingdom status, to be the shining light to the nations, so that all can, can come and, and pour into this great city. This is the difficulty, though, because they're occupied by Rome. And so there's a constant tension there where they're pushing back against the Romans, a desire to, to be freed from the Romans. And that's who the Herodians are. The Herodians are really, you know, essentially kind of the, the ones who are faithful to Rome. Perhaps they, they're, they're, they're the, the, the ones who are kind of ruling over things, the ones who are faithful to the rulers over things. And so essentially they are the enemy of one another. The Pharisees want to get rid of the Herodians. Herodians want to get rid of the Pharisees. But they both, again, hate our Lord even more. And so they team up, and they go together to ask our Lord a question that they know whatever answer he provides, one of the parties can, you know, freak out, essentially, and go into revolt and rebellion, and hopefully get the man killed. So they go and ask him the question that is, of course, highly politically charged. Should we pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Should we support our own? Should we support our foreign occupier, the enemy who is in our midst? Or should we fight against him? Which one? And of course, as our blessed Lord very often does, when asked a question, he responds with a question. He doesn't simply give yes, no answers. He doesn't make it nice and clean because if he says yes, we pay the census tax, the Pharisees have reason to revolt. And if he says, no, don't pay the the census tax to Caesar, then the Herodians have a reason to revolt. So he simply says, do you have a coin? Whose image is this? Caesar's. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to give to God what is God's. And in doing so, both the Pharisees and the Herodians are kind of put back on the defensive because they have to respond to something that the Lord has said. They have to to respond to these words that are a challenge to them in both parts. Because the fact is that Caesar has given something to the people of Israel. I mean, they've prepared roads and they've given some governance. They've provided protection from enemy states. They've provided a, you know, a fair number of things. And so, you know, okay, good. And then, then pay him back what's owed. Given the census tax, it's his. It's got his face on it, right? Give it back to him. But then he has the higher point of to give to God what belongs to God. And this is the, the higher piece, is what belongs to God in justice is everything. What belongs to Caesar is that which has his face on it, that which is made to his image. But what is it that is made to the image of God? us. We are made in the image of God. And so it's for us to give ourselves, all of ourselves, to God. This is our repayment, if you will, what is to be given to Him out of justice. But the fact is, whenever we come to our blessed Lord, whenever we come to make repayment to the Lord, we can never fully repay. 
We can never fully, you know, to, to pay up what rightly is His, what is justly His. If we spent the entirety of our life and we were entirely consecrated to doing the Lord's will, never strayed from it in even the smallest of ways, if we just exhibited virtue, you know, beyond measure, and, and allowed that to, share, to be shared with others and to do all of these things, if everything we have belongs entirely to the Lord, we will still fall short of what He deserves, of what is rightly His by justice, because of what He has given to us. Because what He has given to us is His Son. God the Father has, has sent the Son among us. He stripped Himself of His glory and took on our flesh. He walked in this earthly life, teaching and healing and preaching and gathering around Him the, the, the body that would become the church, building this wonderful community united to Himself, and then ultimately giving the Eucharist on the night before He was betrayed, offering His life, laying it down on the cross for love of us, raising it up three days later, and then ascending into the heavens to send the Holy Spirit to us as well. God has given us everything. He's given us our literal life, our biological life. He's given us spiritual life by virtue of our baptism, the ability to have eternal life, the promise of eternal joy in heaven. He's given His own Son to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to pay that cost. He has given us countless things from every breath that we breathe to every thing that we own, to every possession that, that surrounds us, to every relationship that we have. Every blessing that comes to us comes from the hand of the Lord, and it cannot be repaid fittingly. And so what is it that we can do? How is it that we can give to God what is God's? In fact, we can look to the Psalms, the Old Testament, give us a hint. In the Old Testament of the Psalms, there's a beautiful, beautiful passage that says, how can I repay the Lord for His goodness to me? The cup of salvation I will raise. I will call on the Lord's name. How can I repay the Lord for the good He has done for me? The cup of salvation. The Eucharist. The bread of life. This is part of the reason why the Lord God calls us to come to Mass every week, is it's not simply to, to kind of to fill up our own spiritual tank, which it does, but it's, it's, it's justice. You yourselves say that every single Mass as well. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give Him thanks. It is right and just that we come here, week after week after week, to be able to repay in our own small way the blessings that the Lord God has given to us, but also to be able to give to Him over and over and over and again the gift that we could never have even asked to receive, much less to be able to turn back to give us, to, to allow us to be just to Him. The gift that we give to God is His own Son. The Lord God gave Him to us, and we had Him for a time, and he remains with us here in the tabernacle. And it's that same gift offered every single Mass where the Son offered himself to the Father on our behalf. It is reenacted, it is done and made present once again right before our very eyes in Holy Mass. And we present that to the Father. 
Essentially to say, Father, there is nothing that we can bring to be able to provide justly what you deserve. So rich is your goodness. So beyond us is what is rightly yours. And so we give you the only thing that we know can satisfy. Your son, the eternal one, who out of love for us has done all of these things as an expression of your love too. We give you Christ. We give you Jesus. That's part of the reason why in, in the celebration of the Mass, after the consecration, the priest holds up the host and holds up the chalice. In part, it is to be able to show the faithful, uh, for the faithful to be able to adore our Lord, to be able to say with the words of Thomas, my Lord and my God, and to know that it is him, it is his flesh, it is his blood that is right there before our eyes. But also, as the priest does it, he doesn't simply just kind of show it in, 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 some, in some, you know, kind of small manner, but he lifts it up. He lifts it up to the heights as a, as a sign of, of offering it to God, a sign of lifting up to God the Father the gift that has been bestowed upon us. And this again happens at the conclusion as the priest lifts both of the elements up together as they've, they've been offered individually. The, the priest then offers them together, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist. And we pray through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Nothing that we could do would be able to pay to God what belongs to God. But it is a sign of God's love for us again that he makes it possible to come and to enter into these mysteries. And not merely as kind of external observers, but we are the members of the body of Christ too. We are the body of Christ, made members of the body of Christ, offering the body of Christ. In union with Jesus, we give God everything that we have and everything that we have been given. This is what rightly belongs to him. And how blessed are we to be able to do it again and again and again. As we offer these holy mysteries once more and rejoice to be able to return to the Father once again, the offering given to us of his Son. We pray the Lord would continue to increase within us the holiness of life so that even our meager offerings of ourselves might continue to increase and that by our fidelity to these sacred mysteries, we might week after week make the wonderful offering of the Son to the Father and to know that this is right and just because it is his from the first.